Welcome to Our Stories Matter. I'm Sam Lasalde. And I'm Susie Hess. Our Stories Matter is hosted by Trauma Informed LA and the amazing music by Torrance Brandon Reese, founding member of the music group Street Corner Renaissance. Our Stories Matter at Locals Only acknowledges the Gabrielino and Tongva peoples as the traditional land caretakers of Tovangar, the Los Angeles Basin and Southern Channel Islands. As a land-grant institution, we pay our respects to the Honugvetam, our ancestors. Ahihirom, our elders, and Eohinkem, our relatives and relations past, present, and emerging. Today we are super excited to introduce our very first storyteller, Alexis Roan. Alexis Roan is a writer, storyteller, producer, artistic theologian, and revolutionary artist who has written four young adult novels for reluctant reading teens and preteens, and is the co-author of 29 Years for 13 Seconds, The Injustices of Justice, the story of Vance Webster, a man sentenced to life in prison for a crime he witnessed as a teenager while growing up in South LA. Since completing her Master of Arts in Theology from Fuller Theological Seminary in LA, California, Alexis launched Unshackled Productions, where she produces page-to-stage and storytelling events around the country. She also facilitates training for private sector and nonprofit organizations on how to incorporate effective storytelling into public discourse. A native Texan and graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, Alexis currently resides in Raleigh, North Carolina. So without further ado, I am so excited to have you here today, Alexis. Yes, I am so excited. Thank you. Thank you, Sam, for the invitation. I get to uh, lead the way for this dynamic new podcast that y'all are recording. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, so you can just start and we would love to hear everything that you have done and your own healing journey through storytelling. The two gifts that uh, my life embodies are uh, memory and story. And um, both of them have needed to be um, healed uh, so that they can be relevant for universal audiences. I'm very careful to um, say that uh, our stories don't, uh, they don't belong to us. Uh, But before we share them, uh, we need to have some context uh, and some self-care so that we can, you know, be gracious as we're, we're, we're sharing with others. Uh, I'm here in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I founded a new project called Truth Meets Story, expanding empathy one story at a time. And I produce live events and I coach people how to tell their true, um, their true stories. Uh, and so part of my healing journey uh, with story, um, I, I guess a pivotal moment, uh, was when I was a student at seminary, uh, at Fuller Theological Seminary. And one of the first classes that I took was called the Clinical and Theological Exploration of Guilt and Shame. And in that course, um, Dr. Janice Morgan Strength, a phenomenal professor there, she talked about um, how we needed to recognize that uh, guilt uh, is a um, 
it, it's a relevant part of society, but shame is not. And so she helped us to um, discern between guilt and shame. And in a religious context, there's a ton of both. <laughs> Everybody's always make you feel guilty or shameful about something. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not healthy. And so taking that course was really profound for me. I realized that I battled um, a lot of uh, both guilt and shame. Guilt being, you know, that that thing that you that you did that was bad, but shame being the thing that says, "Hey, I'm bad because I did this," and so that's not that's not good. So a lot of my workshops are about basically looting my life and sharing that wealth and dismantling um, this whole idea of what guilt and shame looks like. Uh, letting people know that you know shame is not good and you don't have to to dwell there. And there's something about the power of story that helps us to um, to unpack all of that. That's amazing because uh, I, I mean I'm speaking only really from like the Latino community where our our foundation has been you know the Catholic and the Christian Church, and so yep. Yep. Uh, anything anything goes goes uh, in disarray in our lives. Uh, I mean our our parents, everyone's it's, it's shame. It's shame that yep. they're bringing down on us, and that's yep. we we should feel bad. We should feel that guilt because of the shame. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, what? and I, I'm, I'm careful to say, um, you know, we need to forgive, you know, our parents, our grandparents, our communities for what they didn't know, uh, which is the beauty of the academy. Um, you know, I know um, the USC um, School of Social Work uh, is doing some amazing work in helping to train healers, people to go out into the communities and to help them be better. And that's what, you know, my seminary did for me as well. There is a different type of healing that needs to happen that can happen through story. And it, you know, you, you won't necessarily need, you won't, you don't need to be in a pulpit. In fact, you need to go out into the, the highways and the byways to um, help heal some of the things that have come from pulpits. Um, but I found that story um, is the most accessible way to do that because we all have a story. So it, it becomes very disarming to know that it's not a, uh, this person has it, but that person doesn't. It's a, we all do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's huge. I mean, I, I feel I need to uh, sit down and have a session with you. Uh, <laughs> I, re really, I mean, through much of my experience in, in academics and a lot of the work that I do now, uh, I mean, we wear our hearts on our sleeves. Right. And yeah. there, is, there is no real like training to, to get you to, to get past that, to be able to sort through that. The things that get yeah. stirred up. Yeah, know. yeah. And, you know, and that's uh, thank you for, for saying that, because it just occurred to me that there was one other thing that Dr. Morgan Strick did at the, the on the very first day of class. She said that the course uh, like in, in, in learning um, about guilt and shame, uh, what we were going to be doing was exploring our own journeys. And so she warned us that um, she didn't call it a trigger. Uh, she just said that there were some things that might uh, get stirred up and uh for that reason, she had a, a friend of hers, an older woman, um, who'd given all, she'd given, her, given the, this woman all of our names, and she would light a candle every class day and would basically just pray for us um, so that whatever, what, you know, what, whatever happened uh, in that space, that there was the mystery of the spiritual that was covering us. And uh, so for all of the ways in which, you know, healers, do um, uh, you know we're trained, and so we go about um, heal, helping to heal our communities with the training. There's also a mystical piece. There's a mystery um, with regards to that. Um, and the most credible thing, a lot of times that we can say is, "I don't know how this is happening, yeah. but I'm available to help facilitate that." 
Alexis, could you talk about the difference between storytelling that's healing and storytelling that may be re-traumatizing? Oh, that's a great one. Um, that yeah, that's that's awesome. So, um, well, before I answer that, let me say that when I produce live storytelling events, it is for organic community engagement. I believe that there is something powerful about all of our stories, and that. Um, and it's also creative. Uh, it's a cre- creative engagement. Uh, it's creative and safe entertainment. And I don't do open mics. I do curated nights. So I can, I, I first become the, the universal. Um, uh, so with that, the difference between a story that is healing and one that is re-traumatizing has to do with the, um, first of all, identifying um, the the audience that you're, uh, to whom you're speaking. And, um the uh, the uh, the intent of your story, like how do you want your audience to respond? So always, whenever I'm coaching people how to tell their stories, or even to select which story to tell, I have them answer three questions. The first question is, who am I? Um, am I a minister? Am I a sister? Am I a mentor? Am I a professor? Uh, like who who am I? Am I a politician? Um, so the first question is, who am I? The second question is. Who is my audience? My audience, a group of people who are going to write me a check because I'm fundraising. Is my audience a group of people who have experienced the same sort of thing that I've experienced? Um, or is my audience a, um, you know, are they looking for some inspiration or, or what have you? But then the third thing is, how do I want them to respond? Do I want them to write the checks? Do I want them to do better? Do I want them to not do what I do? Do I want them to follow in my footsteps? So who am I? Who is my audience? And how do I want them to respond? Those are the three questions that I think you ask that will lead you into making prudent decisions about which stories to tell that will be healing versus those that will be re-traumatizing. Because the thing that we have to um, remember is that every story doesn't, just because uh, a story doesn't serve every purpose, doesn't mean that it serves no purpose. And uh, the ways to keep us on purpose and on task is to identify the audience and how it is that we want them to respond. So for example, um, when I am in a, uh, when I'm talking to adults who are mentoring um, young girls uh, who are perhaps growing up really fast and they're uh, just kind of, you know, just re- really, really out there. I can tell the story um, about being a 12-year-old who took pride in two things. I didn't look like I was 12. I didn't act like I was 12. Um, I could easily pass for 15 or 16, which is why I had two 17-year-old boyfriends. So when I'm telling that story, I'm letting them know, number one, uh, my, my end goal is, hey, I'm going to loop my life. I'm going to tell you what happened. But it's because I don't want you to judge our girls. I don't want you to decide that because my 12-year-old self made this really, really bad choice that I am forever locked into that bad space. And so in the same way that you have invited me here to speak to you with that, you know, that situation that happened when I was 12, um, the 12-year-olds that you're, that you are um, mentoring see their future also as not being limited based on, you know, the really crazy things that they're doing. So that's one story that I could tell for that particular audience. Now, a story that I'm careful to not share um, with young audiences, particularly young girls, are stories about um, the time when I was almost raped. And I say almost because my mother was able to step in quickly and she completely quashed that situation. Now, I was rescued. 
other young girls were not. If I am trying to inspire them, if I am trying to let them know that you too can live an amazing life, that things do work out, uh, that this current phase in your life or whatever, you know, we can refer to it as a rough draft that is yet being polished, whatever. Um, I can accomplish that without bringing, without triggering them or bringing up something that their underdeveloped context cannot handle. So, but again, I'm all the time asking myself through questions, who am I, who is my audience and how do I want them to respond? Um, and because I'm all about sort of that end result, like I want them to respond a particular way, I am very, very careful to pick a story um, with all of the stories that I have that will help me get them to that, to that space. So it's strategically wearing your heart on your sleeve. It's Absolutely. You know, and um, and listen, healing is a real thing. Like there are scars that I have on my body when I first got them. Uh, they hurt like hell. Uh, now they no longer hurt when I punch them, but they're still the marker that's there. Yeah. So I'm not saying that, you know, oh, you've got to hide, cover um, your scars. I operate as a wounded healer. Um, I operate as someone who is very intentional um, about uh, the stories that I tell in the audiences, you know, to whom that I tell them. So it's not me. I'm not random. Uh, and it's not a, you know, I'm like, again, I, I don't even curate open mics. But even let, let me say this. Um, I think that there are spaces that are acceptable for people to tell those stories that are, um, you know, to tell the stories about those tough places. Because sometimes your healing comes from sharing. For example, uh, there was a church in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, during the height of the Me Too movement that hosted an open mic for women to come out and to share. And their, um, their rule was, uh, men are welcome in this space. They may not have any time at the mic. This is strictly for women. And we invite the men to come to just listen to the stories. So one of the storytellers that came up um, I had actually personally invited her because I knew of her story of being um, raped by uh, her best friend's husband and her losing the best friend and the husband lying and saying it was consensual and, you know, and, and all of that. And it was a, a deep, deep wound. And um, it had happened several years before I met her. But on when I found out about this open mic at this church, I shared with her, hey, they're doing this thing. It's an open mic. These are the rules. Men will be present, but they cannot speak. Um, what do you think about attending and perhaps sharing your story? And uh, then I said to her, if it does not feel life affirming, you're not obligated to share. But I wonder what it would feel like for you to just be in a space to hear other women talk about um, being violated. So we attend the night. And um, about after the third person or so, she squeezes my hand. She gets up from her state, from her seat, and she goes to the mic and she shares her story. Now she's sharing it. There's like a nervous giggle laughing that she's doing. But what I loved was that she was telling it like it happened. She, uh, this, fortunately, this church was not a, a place where they were like, oh my God, you've got to watch your language. And so she was giving it like straight no chaser. And at the end of her, um, her story, of course, the audience applauded. They were in tears. But she sat down and she whispered to me, um, I'm on my way to, to healing. Like, I, I can feel it. So her being able to share that story in that space and listen to other people share their stories was not re-traumatizing. It was appropriate 
for the audience. The intention was this is a safe space for you to tell those things that um, that have happened to you and to experience the mystery uh, that comes with you know with sharing your story and healing that way. You know that's that's what the experience has really been like for me and, and being able to share my narrative and uh, the narrative of my community to yes. to you know these leaders and change makers out here in Los yes. Angeles. Um, Absolutely. But. I, I don't know if, if you struggled with this. I know it's been the case for me in that I feel maybe at times when, especially when it's been more of the sense of someone taps on my shoulder to come and do this or come and, you know, come speak at this event. And I feel like I'm being exploited. You know what? Um, that's, that's interesting. Um, wow. So I would say that, um, the, my, my writing partner, uh, Vance Webster, um, the, the co-author of his memoir, he would tell me stories where he um, he felt exploited. And I think that it was because uh, he would accept the invitation without considering, number one, the motives of the audience. Like, what, what are y'all about? Like, who is your audience and how do you want your audience to respond to me speaking? Um, he did not, uh, he was not savvy enough to to ask those questions early on. So he would say yes to every to every um, opportunity that was extended. And what he found was that uh, certain audiences really loved the stories about all of the gang violence that he had experienced, about his being shot. They didn't want to hear about um, the, the healing, um, the, the, the adults who were around him when he was younger that tried to get him, you know, to go a different path. For sure. They um, want to hear the sexy. They want to hear the salacious. Yeah. And, um, and so eventually he got to a point where he's like, okay, well, when I'm at the mic, I'm going to tell the story that I'm going to tell, whether they like it or not. And I'm, I'm not going to feed into that. So he became, uh, he became a lot more savvy about which, which invitations he would accept. But, you know, the truth is, Sam, once we get to the mic, whatever stories we tell, you know, it's going to land or not. But, you know, we have we have the option to decide um, what stories to tell. And if someone is trying to limit our community, if they're trying to lock our communities into a particular narrative, then that's the beauty of um, the access, Sam, that they've given um, you and me to the mic, is that we come from these communities and we step to that mic and we can show them, hey, you know, here is what healing looks like. Here is what um, here's what the other side of of, of that uh, trauma looks like. Here were my steps to getting there. Here is how I suggest that you like. Here's an option that's available for you. So yeah, but no, I got I, I, no, that that has definitely happened. And um, but I think that we have more control than uh, than we know. We just need to take that control. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, I, again, this is just speaking more just from my experience. I I, I get. Uh, sort of stuck in this weird middle ground because I, I on one side yeah I'm feeling hey maybe this is exploitation in some way right I'm just I'm just uh, d over here selling what's sexy because uh, whatever it's for funding it's to gather you know more participants whatever that may be but on the uh, on the other on the other end it's also extremely healing for me to be able to share this narrative because uh, yeah. I felt that. Uh, you know, m much of the the hardship and things that I've gone through and have been able to overcome, uh, I, I only overcame them in order to be able to share them. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Absolutely. That's right. And I think that that's why I tell people our stories don't belong to us. Um, I love to produce these community events because there are people in the audience who are thinking that I'm the only one. And then when you, you know, stand up or when I stand up and I courageously share, they are just liberated in ways that we cannot know. And I don't even know that we need to know, except we just need to continue to be out there sharing. Because when uh, when we don't share our story, Sam, other people share it and they don't even get it right. They don't come close to telling it correctly. So we have a responsibility and an obligation to tell our stories in every space um, for the, 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 the healing um, of our world. Stories will do that. They empower, they heal, um, they repair. You're, you're awesome. I just, just want to you know throw what, that out so there. Are you. <laughs> I agree. Thank you, Sam. I, I, uh, I was telling a friend of mine, I was in New York for uh, Thanksgiving, and I said to him, I was like, I, you know, I looked in my face when I was done, you know, uh, I was about to, you know, go downstairs for breakfast and looked at my face in the hotel, and I just started blowing her kisses. And I, you know, just that person in the mirror, um, because I, I know uh, about the times when I didn't feel, you know, beautiful. I didn't feel worthy. I, you know, I was just kind of, I, I felt the need to mask. I felt the need to cover. And um, once I began to really unpack a lot of these things through story, uh, you know, and I began to share them, um, and it just became a, I just became a better version of, of, of who I've always been. And so... To the baby girl who uh, uh, inside of me who had, you know, all of these other things, you know, I let her know, you know, big girl Lex, you know, is, is taking care of both of us. Like, we, we're going to be all right. <laughs> I'm so blown away by everything that you've said, Alexis. And I'm wondering if you can share with our listeners what would be like first steps that you can suggest if they wanted just like to start today? If you are looking for healing, you know, if there is some trauma or something that's going on there, then um, let me first say that part of the reason why I'm able to tell my story so freely is because I have had numerous therapists um, that have helped me to work through a lot of my stuff. And I also have spiritual, I have a spiritual director um, who has a, you know, is with me as a minister. I can pitch things and I can posit and I can share, you know, different experiences that I have in that space. So, um, so first I go, I went to the healers to help me heal from those spaces. And then once I had a sense of self, a better sense of self and, uh, some awareness, some grace for myself and some grace, um, even for all of the things that happened, because, uh, going back to what Sam had said earlier about the people you know, in our community, the, the, you know, the, the church and, you know, our, our families and, you know, how guilt and shame and how they just want us to feel so bad about things. We really have to be gracious with people who don't know that uh, what they're doing is injurious or it's bad and, it, and it's keeping us in a stuck place. So go to see the healers first. <laughs> and then once you have done the, the healing work, uh, then um for people who are interested in telling their stories, there are a lot of storytelling troops that are around the that are around the, the, the country. Uh, and so in L.A., um, you know, as a matter of fact, there are so many different options. I think the moth um, has some troops that are out there and a snap judgment. If I'm not mistaken, they also may do some things in that space. Um, the community colleges, a lot of them are now uh, for adult um uh, with the adult learner programs, like lifelong learner um, centers, 
many of them have storytelling training. I'm actually, uh, facili- I'll be facilitating a class. I'm hopefully here in, in Raleigh uh, with our um, adult learners uh, starting fall of 2020. Uh, but in any case, there are a lot of different spaces. But before you start telling those stories, I, I really want to make sure that you are in a, um, in a healed and, and evolved space. Because when you are trying to tell a story that you have not yet healed from, you could very easily re-injure yourself. And, uh, and it could be traumatic to others. There was a woman uh, when I was producing stories uh, for storytelling for USA Today Network. There was a woman who had submitted her pitch. And when I read it, I thought it was interesting enough. It was about her being involved in some sort of religious cult. And so I, I called her and um, I began to just let her, you know, tell me her story. And um, what I found at the end of her story was that she was trying to do what I call uh, giving Jesus a superhero cape. Uh, people who want to give Jesus a superhero cape, uh, it's like this bad thing happened and this bad thing and this bad thing and this bad thing. And then all of a sudden, Jesus came into my life and, ooh, uh, Jesus, like a superhero, healed me from all of that stuff. And now I'm better. Well, I am evolved enough to know that uh, there was more that I, ne- I needed to poke around that story a bit. And so the more I talked with her, the more I could see that um, sh- I-, I-, I understand that sort of brand of like in a lot of our, our churches and, you know, religious spaces, uh, you know, they like Jesus with a superhero cape. I just happen to think that Jesus with a superhero cape is very irresponsible when you're going to a universal audience um, because they're thinking, oh, okay, well, that's all I have to do. And then I, you know, ooh, Jesus is going to come in. And so they, when they try that strategy and they're not healed, you know, then Jesus gets a bad rap. <laughs> so as I poked around her story for a bit, I, um, I said to her that, um, it, that I would that it sounded like that this story would not serve sort of the universal audience, and that I wondered if um, I, I asked if she had like like what was her her therapy like or her her counseling or the healing like going through this, this situation, and when she said that she hadn't sought anyone, I was like, oh boy, uh, I can't force anyone to go see a therapist, but I can say your story. Um, does uh, your story, I don't think it would serve the, the greater good. And for me as the producer, that was my responsibility to her and to the audience to not put her at a mic, to not put her on a mic and uh, allow her to tell that when I was like, yeah, no. And, and she, and she was still pretty bitter about that situation too. So that was the other thing. Uh, she, the, 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 the scar was still very sore. I can poke at my scars that they're, they're, they're present but they, I don't feel anything because they've healed. Um, so there's just that marker. Yeah. Her scar was still pretty raw. And so I just, um, you know, so I told her that I, that I, I would work with her um, to get the story, uh, to find aspects of the story that could be tell, told on a, on a stage to a universal audience. But in, its, in, in, that cur- in the current form where she was still so angry and there was still so much bitterness, it, 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 would, it would not serve the, the universal good for her to be on the mic to share that. So I would, um, so I, I apologize for the, you know, for these, these long answers. Um, but I, I just wanted to say that healing first and then the, the, the then, um, go, to, go for the actual story training. And, um, once you, whoever it is that's responsible for giving you access to them, I hope they will be mindful and they'll be able to hear whether or not that story is ready to be shared. Yeah. So Susie, we're doing this, uh, story training. We are. Wait, Alexis, yes. we'd be doing this virtually? 
You know what? And actually, uh, I because it, uh, in Raleigh, uh, so I, I'm going to have to record this. I'm, I'm literally going to have to put this storytelling training on video. I've, I get so many requests um, for this, and it's not cost prohibitive for people to fly me all over the world to do it, although I'm available. My, my passport is with me. So <laughs> I'm like, super, super excited about that. But I will, um, but the, the, the training for this workshop in Raleigh, it's for an actual adult learner, so they they will come out um, and take the course. But I am uh, I'm I'm tinkering with um, uh, how to to put this this content online. Yeah, to give yes. it a vir- to give it a virtual polish. Yes. Well, Sam and I, and probably Mike here, who is the one who's editing, um, all three of us will be in. (laughs) And then now you do realize that um, the one thing that I tell people when I'm training them to tell stories, um, I train people to tell stories on a mic. So it's like, this isn't just like your your personal train, like, oh, I'm just going to do some, some personal training. It's like, no, 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 no. When I train people to tell stories, it is with the intention that they also find a microphone to share that story because the story does not belong to them. And I've coached, um, you know, hundreds of people on how to, to do this. And, uh, and now, now that I'm here in Raleigh, uh, I'm approaching at least a thousand and I, but again, I, I want people to tell stories. I, 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 you know, it can't be left to me and Sam to go on to tell all the stories. Me and Sam got a ton of stories that we can tell, yeah. but we've got to get as many people as the mic telling stories so that we can all heal and learn from each other. Absolutely. I'm so grateful. I mean, I think I would learn a lot. I have been one who hasn't told my story for a lot of the reasons that you've said. And I so appreciate you know, what you've said, everything, especially healing first and then the story, yes. which I yes. so appreciate. And I think that's incredibly yes. important. And I appreciate just your heartbeat. I mean, you being real and authentic and sharing your heart, you know, all three of us, I wish you could have seen all three of our facial expressions, but we were like right there with you. And yeah, we so appreciate it because now each episode will be focused on another storyteller's healing journey. Yeah, we're really excited exactly. um, that you started us off in terms of, yeah, healing. We have about 20 people lined up now. Sweet. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I am so excited about this work. And thank you for seeing the power of story and for seeing, uh, for, you know, for starting this podcast. Our stories matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that uh, what I what I have found is that when we start telling them, you know, we will create the audience like they will come and they will hear and they will be better um, because they thought they knew. They thought they knew. And then we step to the mic and like, ah, ah, now I get it. Stories are healing. They, and, they, you know, stories are also um, they don't they're, they're an easy way in their organic way in, their natural way in. You know, it's like I, I'm grateful that I don't have to mask. I don't have to put on. Uh, I'm grateful for all of the healing work that um, preceded the courage that I exhibit every time I'm asked to step to a mic. Uh, I'm grateful for the training that I've gotten on, um, on how to do this well. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that, I, you know, I don't want to keep this to myself. Like, it's too important for me to be the only one. You know, it's like I'm, I'm all about getting others to, um, you know, to that space. 
You know, so you've gone through this whole healing journey and, you know, you put together these trainings and, and you're, you're, uh, help, you're helping to guide others as to, to being able to share their own narratives, to share their stories. Um, I want to know more about your why. Like, how, how, what has driven you to, to continue uh, to do this and piece it all together yeah. the way you have? Oh, wow. Thank you for thank you for asking that. Um, that is such a good question. And um, so most of my life I have um, because I have so much if I didn't have flavor, I'd be uh, called weird. I would have been called weird. But because I have so much flavor and I'm kind of easy to look at, then I was just called uh, eccentric or deep. And um, that's been, you know, uh, for, for as long as I can remember. I, but I, it kind of all clicked for me. Um, my last semester at the University of Texas at Austin, I was a public relations student in the School of Journalism. And I uh, was taking a statistics class with Dr. Paula Poindexter. And to model sort of how um, math statistics uh, reflect um, a particular audience, she had us do this exercise. She said, okay, everyone take out a sheet of paper, write down the top three things that you are worried about right now, top three worries. And so, you know, most of us were, you know, graduating seniors. And so we took out a piece of paper and we wrote our top three down. And then she said, okay, now take that paper and swap it with the person next to you. <laughs> and I paused for a little bit because I'm like, ruh like I'm about to be exposed here possibly, at, like, at least to one other person. But I did it. I, you know, I exchanged it um, uh, with this woman, her uh, Imani McCullough. She's an attorney right now in uh, Atlanta. I'm going to send her this uh, this podcast uh, recording as soon as I say I saw, I remember this. You remember this, money? Anyway, so she and I were sitting next to each other, and um, so Dr. Pornister says, "Okay, give me some responses. What are the top three? And then uh, people start calling out. You know, job after college, the economy, uh, my my student debt." That kind of thing. So it, 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 it was, but it was that those the, basically the top three that everyone had written. And then she said, Dr. Poindexter said, is there anyone who wrote anything different? <laughs> Everybody looked at me and I said, yes, yeah, fine, you can share. And so she raised her hand and she said, I think I have something different. And then Dr. Poindexter said, okay, read it. And she goes, well, the first one here is, um, you know, I want my life to uh, make a difference. Uh, the second one is, will I um, be relevant in the spaces that I inhabit? And the third is, what does it mean to like live life in vain? Um, can I literally go out and do all of these things that I say I want to do? So after she's read these three items on my list, Dr. Poindexter says, well, yeah, that is different. And the whole class must have laughing. And so did I, because I knew that it was, you know, that, that it did. But I was not worried about debt. I was not worried about finding a job after college. I was not worried about the economy. Those things are like, yes, you know, we're, we're training for, for this. We're good. It's going to work out. Like, that's, those are not the, the big issues. The big issues are how do we live a meaningful life? How do we take this training that we have uh, been afforded, this rich opportunity, and not make it just about our own well-being? How can we go out and serve humanity? How can we go out and serve the, the common good in whatever capacity, you know, we're doing? And uh, as a side note, Amani, while she is also a practicing attorney, she also hosts um, these retreats um, for women um, who are, you know, in various spaces and, he and, and needing of healing spaces. And it, 
and in sisterhood. Um, and so she is not just practicing attorney, a practicing attorney, uh, but she is also um, a healer. And she does that by hosting these retreats. So um, she came on. She came up on that later, you know, because I think one of her top three, her top three was finding a job, economy, acceptance into, you know, law school. <laughs> Those were her top three. So she kind of fit the, you know, the, the, the majority, uh, you know, population, you know, in, in that particular classroom. Um, but, yeah, she she came out. So it, so this has always been um important to me. And, um, I've always wanted to do it. Uh, the, the thing that I could never be sure of is, uh, am, will I be able to, am I talented enough? Am I gifted enough? And I realized that even the questions about my talent and my gifts was all of the layers of shame that I had just, um, just piled on. And so, uh, once I realized that going through the healing process to every now and again, do a tune up, like I, you know, I, one of my favorite therapists, you know, she'd uh, point to her head and she'd say, don't go up here by yourself, take somebody with you. And so that has been something that I have uh, definitely done. Um, now that I know that, can I do it? Yes. Should I do it? Yes. Am I doing it? Absolutely. And I'm going to keep doing it. And, um, because it's, 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 it's important. And um, I'm good at it. And I'm having a good time. Like, this is my life. In the middle of this afternoon, I get to be on this wonderful podcast recording with you wonderful people. LA, I'm so, I'm so happy you're on the team. Yes, yes. So am I. This is, this is such a rich opportunity. And all because I've done the healing work and all because I, I value um, and appreciate and have made room for um, the power of story. Well, I'm so grateful for you. And I think this may be your quote. I know it's on your website and I remember reading it and I feel like it's very you that storytelling will set you free. Absolutely. Absolutely. It will set us all free. Absolutely. All of us. And and, in the same way that with the story about the young woman who, uh, who I took, you know, to the, the, uh, the church open mic, uh, for, um, hashtag me too, um, event. Um, she was able to, um, start, and I can't say start, um, because she had been seeing therapists and, yeah. and doing different things, but it was something about a space being created for her to share a safe space, a space that was not going to be vitriolic, a space that would not, um, a space where men were not permitted to speak. They could be present and we wanted them present, we wanted them to hear these stories. Um, a safe space for her. And, and when she was telling it, like it happened, I'm saying like, she was like, she was very street in her, um, in her telling, there was no judgment about language. There was no judgment about like, Oh, this holy place that you've used this kind of language. It's, there was raucous applause. She could feel that she could feel that. And she could see that for all of the ways when she probably was going in her head by herself thinking, Oh my God, I've got to pretty it up. I've got to clean it up because I'm with the church folk. No, she was with people. She was with women. She was with men who were empathetic and who were so, who were so sorry that she had experienced that kind of trauma. And she was with people who understood that healing is real. Healing is real. And that her healing was going to come. Fortunately, part of her healing would come with, you know, through her ability uh, and creating the space to tell her stories. So yes, um, stories, they, they definitely have power and stories are funny. Stories are inspirational. Stories are memorable. Um, when I was, um, 
teaching a, uh, and, and stories can, <laughs> stories even teach the teacher. Uh, years ago, I taught this uh, narrative storytelling class um, at a high school, and uh, the assignment that I had given was for them to write a story about their funniest moment or their scariest. And one of my students, her name was Felicia, she was um, one of my most, like, just, she just loved my class. Um, she was a decent writer, um, not, not the strongest. And so when she came to me and she said, Ms. Rohn, I would like to, I have a story that's both scary and funny. So when she said that to me, I did not trust that her story was both scary and funny. So I just kept, Felicia, please just pick one. Your scariest or your funniest moment. Work with me, please. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, just like try, like, just, just trust me. Just let me just do the story. So I, I, I let her uh, write the story. And she tells the story about when she was nine years old. She was a Girl Scout uh, in the fourth grade, um, and they were having a Girl Scouts meeting after class. <laughs> so they go to the um, they go to the uh, to the after school meeting or whatever they're doing arts and crafts. She raises her hand to be excused to the restroom. The Girl Scout leader excuses her. She goes to the restroom. She washes her hands, and as she's attempting to exit the bathroom, she pushes the door but the door won't budge. She pushes it again, still won't budge. She starts beating on the door, help, help. Uh, and no one can hear, no one has come. And so she's thinking, all right, well, I'll just, you know, hang out here until the janitors come. Um, they will, you know, when they, when they come in and unlock the door, then I'll be able to, to leave at that point. So she takes a seat on the restroom floor. Suddenly the lights go out. They were set on a timer. They go out the same time every day. But that also meant that no one was going to come back into the restroom until the morning. And she is panicked and she is just really frightened. And she's wondering why her scout leader hasn't come to look for her. And in her state of tears and paranoia, she said that she begins to pray. And she says that God answered her prayer with one directive. <laughs> Pull the door, Felicia. Pull the door yeah. Felicia. <laughs> she goes to the store she pulls it the door opens she's she exits the restroom returns to the girl scout oh, room. never ever trapped in the bathroom all she needed to do was to change directions so i tell that story a lot uh as evidence of sometimes you know all that we really need to do is to change our direction you're pushing nothing is happening pull but what that story taught me as a teacher is that clearly even my less than gifted writers have these amazing stories and they have the ability to understand funny and story, uh, funny and scary. And how dare I attempt to limit her to just the one, because that one that she gave me is one that I've, I sh I've shared the story for years. It's one of my favorites. And especially when I'm, when I'm talking, I just had a, a, an interview last week with a group of Girl Scouts. They love the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm assuming she got double the points. <laughs> <laughs> She was A plus 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 after yeah. that. I was like, clearly you have taught the teacher today about how not to limit you. Forgive me. Forgive me. And she was so wonderful. She was so gracious. She just loved me and she loved my class. And uh, she loved to tell stories. She loved to tell her stories. And so um, for me to give her, to create that opportunity for her um, was, as, was as much of a thrill um, as, as, any, uh, as, as anything she could have received. That's that's beautiful. Like what all, all you've been doing, I mean, you you're beautiful. You're a beautiful person <laughs> for piecing this together, for doing this, and oh, thank 
you, thank you, Sam. So, and you make me feel even better about kissing my kissing myself in the mirror. I was like, so see, Sam said you're the best. You're worth them kisses. <laughs> Well, Alexis, thank you. thank you so much for starting off our brand new podcast. Um, yes, we are so, so super excited that we had you and your voice and your heartbeat. You're incredibly inspirational and just thank healing you. to hear you again. Thank I can listen to you all day. And please let us know when you are virtually up and running. And for sure, the yes, three of us yes. in this room are all in. Yes. Okay, and then y'all, and then the three of you have to bring three. So that's how oh, we're going to get it. Done. <laughs> cool. Easy. Easy. Oh, gosh, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed our time. Thank you, Alexis. Our Stories Matter is brought to you by Trauma-Informed LA, whose mission is to foster resilient communities that promote healing and well-being through collaboration, education, and community engagement. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Trauma-Informed LA and our website, traumainformedla.org. Please give us five stars on iTunes so more folks can have access and donate to traumainformedla.org so we can keep recording and healing through our storytelling episodes.